This is Soundtrack, a music podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life, because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kyle Lichty. Hey everyone, I'm here with Jeff Harrington. How's it going? Great. How are you? <laughs> Doing well. We're here in uh, Grand Rapids, enjoying our time. We've known each other since 2011, which is, or no, yeah, 2000, yeah, yeah, which is crazy to think about uh, that it's been 10 years. We we met through through Lane. No, or Marcel. Yeah. We met because you met Lane at the same time you met me. Okay. I rem- I'm not going to let you credit Lane with another friendship. <laughs> this was just through Marcel. <laughs> yeah, we. I remember we hit it off then, and, and we've actually been to a couple shows together. And, uh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And just a part of a, a friend group that was really close back in the day and and as all friend groups do drift apart yeah never talk to each other so uh you grew up in just south of chicago called kankakee you said it correctly Good illinois one. yeah i did yeah what um, was what was that like terrible <laughs> why was it terrible it's only terrible when you look back at it honestly when you're from a small town kankakee is you know, I don't know the population of Kankakee. I know the population of none of those towns. Um, <laughs> I'm from Shabance, a town just south of Kankakee. There's 1,200 people in that. And then there's Kankakee, Bradley, Bourbonnet is like the combined metro area. If you want to be generous and call it a metro area, it's not. But that's like the big place. There's Olivet Nazarene University there. That's why people know it because people mm-hmm. go to town to go there. Right. But, you know, growing up in a town that small, you don't know it's shitty until you leave or you come out as gay in high school. I did not, but other people did. And then you realize how terrible a small town is. You don't know it until you leave for the first time. So growing up, it was great. You had your friends. Your friends never changed because you went from kindergarten to high school with them. And unless, yeah, something bad happened to you at school, like you're bullied or whatever, anyone like because i wasn't popular or anything i got along with everyone but like literally there was nothing bad about growing up there i had no issues it was just you know small town living yeah real boring (laughs) when you're a kid uh your parents were a huge influence in terms of what you were listening to there was a lot of oldies music that was going on at that time for you so like Paul Simon, Queen, The Crystals, amongst many others. How did your parents get into, do you know how your parents were into the music that they they listened to, how that came about? You know, all basically no. I know that my dad played at least the bass growing up. I don't know if he played in a band. I'm assuming you don't learn a bass just to learn the bass, right? Right. I mean, I could be wrong, but I don't think so. So I think he he played some music. He's always known about a lot of music. Now that I like, I look back, like, oh yeah, my dad was pretty knowledgeable. Mom, if you ever listen to this, um, you're not going to look good in about five seconds. <laughs> my mom's not very cultured in the world of music. <laughs> um, I think she just listened basically was to pop music growing up. So yeah, oldies was the pop music at the time. So I think she was just into whatever was on the radio. Yeah, so I, I think just the combination of the two, my dad knowing, just knowing things, and then my mom knowing what was hip or whatever, yeah. combined into, hey, we're listening to, I want to say 95.1 WVLI, if I remember correctly. And if that's true, that's a great memory right there. <laughs> the oldest station growing up, that, that was always on the, on the in the car, both cars in the household. That was just, you didn't change it. That was what was on the radio. Yeah. Don't touch the dial. Yeah. <laughs> what was that like for for you specifically to listen to that kind of music as a kid? It was uh, the same as just growing up in a small town, not knowing any better. I knew there was other music out there yeah. vaguely, but 
this is just what we listened to. I had no interest in music, like my own kind of, I don't know, genre that I liked or anything like that. I, I didn't develop any kind of taste until my teens. So yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. I feel like I remember when Shares Believe came out. Yeah. I remember listening to that on the radio. <laughs> it was like 98. Yeah. And that, you know, that would have been perfect. I remember, I have a very clear memory of my neighbor in their van. We were going probably to McDonald's because that's where all my memories in that van are for some reason. And Believe came on and everyone was into it. And I knew what it was, but like, I was like, oh, huh, this is not what we listen to in the car normally. This is interesting. And yep. that was a, that was fun, but I very clearly remember that. So I was aware of like other music, but like, you know, you just, you don't know any better. Yeah. So, yeah. As a kid, you were watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show. How is that happening at that age? My dad loved the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I say loved because he's no longer with us. Okay. And um, I think my mom was okay with it, but she didn't love it, especially not to the extent that he did. And I don't know if this is 100% true. This is just what I've been told over and over again. I don't have a lot of memories from when I was young. Who does? But I was told, and I have vague memories of these things, but I was told that my dad would rent the Rocky Horror Picture Show from Blockbuster, because Blockbusters were a thing then. Yeah. He'd have it all weekend, and he played it on loop for three days straight, and my mom left town for the weekend. <laughs> Didn't bring the kids with her. So we were right there watching it. I mean, five, six, seven years old. And so that was a huge part of me growing up was watching a movie about sexually divergent people singing some weird, I mean, yeah. uh, it's show tunes, but it's rock yeah. still. I mean, Meatloaf's in it. Oh, you know what? My mom loved Meatloaf. That's the thing you would never guess about my mom she loves meatloaf sorry to get off track but bad out of hell god such a huge fan so interesting weird right but anyway yeah. um, rocky or big show so i grew up just knowing what it was loving it on the time warp when you're a kid and you see have you seen it yeah i've okay. seen it yeah when you see people just imagine me a kid watching people dancing to the time warp that's fun mm -hmm. like you're gonna think they're weird because they all look weird and also another off topic thing one of the party goers looked so much like my aunt Norma, my dad's sister. It just always made me feel at home watching it. Cause like, Oh, I know that's not Norma, but that's my aunt Norma. So it's like <laughs> watching family. So yeah, Rocky Herbert show was a mainstay in my childhood. And I knew that my, my Christian friends, they would, were never allowed to watch it. I couldn't even tell them that we were watching it. Cause I knew from a young age, like, even if I didn't understand the sex in the movie, I knew there was something quote unquote wrong with this movie and they could never know that I watched this regularly, <laughs> but I loved it. It was the best. This is interesting because we just talked about Rocky horror picture, but the next kind of phase for you was CCM music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, you know, I, and I'm, I'm with you there on like the, just the uncomfortableness of that but it's a part of your story, right? Mm -hmm. And so talk about how those artists like Jeremy Camp, Skillet, how they became part of what you were listening to. It's going to sound like broken record. It just wasn't the thing I did. This comes up later in my life story, if you ever want to know. But my friends were the ones who got me into the Christian music because they were Christian. And that's who I started hanging out with. So I listened to what they listened to. And that was just CCM nonstop all the time. And it was terrible. <laughs> um, even then as a young child, I knew that I wasn't really into this music. There was just something like. Turned you off about it. Yeah. I mean, it just seems so boring. Like even then. And like these bands, I never really liked Skillet, but it was <laughs> the first concert I've ever gone to. So I will always have a, a soft spot in my heart. Yeah. But like seventh day slumber who I ha I've seen live. I've, did enjoy them and they were more the at the time seemed edgy christian music like seven places who i got into like still like i enjoyed listening to this but it was also 
there's just always something so boring about it. And I, I can't explain that. Uh, Seventh Day Slumber in Seven Places specifically were my versions of branching out from what my other friends were listening to. So that was the alternative alternative yeah. compared to, but like who was, who was big back I mean, then? a third day, you Rel- know? Yeah. God, third Reliant day. Reliant K. Uh, no, or- we didn't listen to Reliant K back then. Oh, I mean, I didn't. Yeah. And they did not. Because that was, that was like late high school when we all started getting Reliant K. But like but third day. Definitely third now, day. Third day was, yeah. That was in the car all the time. Uh, and like, yeah, if you're in the 90s and you want to feel real high on Jesus, third day is the way to go. Because I remember, I still remember like feeling goosebumps every once in a while listening to their like big productions. Because I mean, they're talented, right? Right. They could put on a show from what I've been told. I've never been, but I can guess. And every church sang their songs. So they had to have something going for them. But third day specifically, sorry to shit on you boring <laughs> but it was just what we went along with i was told this is what we listened to and i said great this is what we listened to and that's all i listened to for seven eight years Ugh. i feel like <laughs> until i learned to drive basically well speaking of driving you had this really interesting moment where you came across a band that from the driving that changed a lot for you. Yeah. Um, Talk about that. Um, yeah, I was, I know the intersection even, Route 50, <laughs> and not really a road, but it's how you pull out of the mall on Route 50. And I was listening to W-O-N-U, but yeah, I was pulling out onto Route 50 from the mall and the Rocket Summer played. Didn't know what it was called at the time, but it was just this song and the style that I've never heard on so that was like, I was like, wait, what is this? And this was before Shazam. This was because I mean, one before smartphones. This was lyric sites barely existed back then. I feel like so like I had to remember a couple phrases from the song because I needed to look this up when I got home. Right, I needed needed to do it, and clearly I figured out who it was. I don't remember that process, but um, I figured out it was the Rock Summer. The song never knew it was at the time their most Jesusy song, so it makes sense. Never heard it again, by the way, on that station. Literally just that one time, never once again. Wow. And that started an obsession with the Rocket Summer that lasted way too long. Um, <laughs> it lasted until, let's, let's say that was, I started driving when I was 16. I don't know what year that was. 2004. So maybe Sounds like right. 2011 is finally when I stopped listening to them on a daily basis, which is, I mean, to me, pretty impressive because, I mean, you get tired of music eventually, like certain things after a long time. Yeah. But they were a mainstay. I mean, they turned into, I mean, an obsession. Yeah. I mean, you fell in love with them and so much so that you've seen them. Do you remember how many times you've no. seen them live? I stopped keeping track, but it's the band I've seen most. This is um, ridiculous. So uh, one of the college science classes in college that I had to take, <laughs> it was split up into different professors. Like it was like a, a rotating thing. You'd like, you'd learn biology for like a month and a half with one professor and then you'd switch classes and learn like something else. And then another one is something else. The second professor. So the second set of classes, I missed almost all of them. Not joking. Missed almost all of them because I was following the rocket summer around the Midwest. (laughs) By the time I met the professor, the class was more than halfway done and I had no idea what we were learning about. (laughs) And the crazy thing is, the Rock Summer wasn't even in the, the headlining act in that tour. He was the supporting artist playing five songs each set. Oh, my goodness. That's it. I know, right? That is unhealthy obsession. But it was in yeah. the Midwest, <laughs> and I convinced different friends to meet me in different cities. So, yep. like, I got people who, some of them were from high school who I hadn't really hung out with in years. So that was nice to, like, travel to St. Louis with some high school friends. And also meet some people that I met online because of the Rocket Summer. Like I'd meet up with them at the concerts, which was a thing I had never done before. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was great. And yeah, I I think, I mean, I've had to have seen them over 20 times, which for me is a lot because I don't go to see live music very often or regularly, I guess. Yeah. Rock Summer is the best. They were the best. Not super much into them (laughs) anymore. I I just... uh... 
curious what made you want to do that. Was That's it a great that? question. I don't know because looking back, his music isn't amazing. I mean, I think he's a great songwriter and he plays all of his own instruments on the album, like recording. It's still all him, no one else. But like, it's not the best music in the world. Another deviation from the topic. Proof of this, the first time I ever saw him, my freshman year in college, went to Chicago at Park West. Great venue, by the way. Yeah. And his opening act was Paramore. They were nobodies. Yeah. And now they're Paramore. So that's a thing. And then he played at the Orbit Room once. His opening act then was Never Say Never. They never quite got Paramore level, but they were Never Say Never. Yeah. There have been so many bands that have opened for him, and they've gone on to be huge, and he's stayed the same. Something about his music that just that got me. It was fun, like so much fun. And it was not the Christian music I was listening to. So like he's singing a song, like love songs, but that, that weren't too sappy, and they're all about his wife. And he's singing about Around the Clock, and that song is just all about, it starts with, dance around the clock okay um it's it's very fun oh no it says dance until you don't stop maybe i don't know it's been a long time it was just such fun music and my friends weren't into it i mean they sort of were supportive you know yeah but they're like okay it's a band that you like got it it was it was my thing and i really took that to heart apparently in your teen years you were encountering music through blogs uh, explain how you were doing that when i figured out what good music was for the first time without anyone's help well anyone that i knew because it was with someone's help that i found out about two huge influences on my life I still remember his name aaron whites that's his real name i don't know what his screen name was you know zanga you stumble upon people's pages i think i don't yeah. know how that works anymore you, I, give, you give like coins oh is that i don't remember I, that I, wow I, yeah so, All I remember about Zanga was you could make your page look exactly how you wanted it, and you could play music when people opened it. Right. And so I stumbled on Aaron's page. He's from, like, Dallas. So he was, like, a true, true stranger when I was 16 years old. You shouldn't be talking to people when you're 16. And they're, like, what? how far is that, like, uh, 800 miles away? I, I don't know what the exact, but I it's, wanna, it's, it's, it's a 12-hour drive. Yeah. I'm going to tell you that. Don't do that when you're 16. But hey, it was the 90s. Well, it was the early 2000s. But anyway, when I stumbled upon his page for the very first time, this song was playing. And it was like, I didn't know what it was. It sounded spooky at first, but also kind of beautiful. And I just, I couldn't, it was in another language, couldn't understand it. Um, so I just had to message him like, what is this? I was super into it. And he told me, um, it's Sea Rose, Untitled Number 8. Oh, wow. from their untitled album yeah and i'm like what the hell is that <laughs> um i didn't say exactly like that because i didn't swear back then but i was, had to look up everything about them yeah and growing up my dad worked for the cable company and so we've always had amazing internet my entire life i feel like great internet so looking up music and downloading music because it wasn't illegal back then was super easy and so i got everything i could from from them and it's like LimeWire it but it was like or... LimeWire was a thing but my dad had it I don't know I truly wish I knew what it was but it seemed like LimeWire but it wasn't it wasn't he had a way to download things that I still don't understand what it was but I could find whatever I wanted like yeah. all the time music videos all that shit so I got everything I possibly could at the time and uh, fell in love obsessed but this was like a more of a secret because i really wanted this to be my own thing right um, i didn't want to tell anyone that i knew about this music <laughs> and i i don't know why i just it had to it just had to stay with me i eventually did tell someone one of my friends rob he's currently still playing music he's a great musician but i, I wanted to impress him and i was like hey here's this band that i know you don't know check it out and then like a couple months later he got back and he's like yeah that's actually really good and he knew me as the idiot who listened to christian music like when he was getting into 
the only band that comes to mind is the Mars Volta, which I never listened to. Okay. But that was like the music he was into. Oh, Jimmy Eat World. He was like into that kind yeah. of stuff. I know. I like Jimmy Eat World. I remember that growing yeah. up. But anyway, he was like into the the new, I don't know. I don't, was that indie rock maybe? It was, yeah. Indie-ish. A little alternative Alternative. Well. They'll say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So him and his friends or his closer friends were, his band friends were into like that kind of stuff. And I always felt super uncool when it came to music because of them. <laughs> But this time I was like, yeah. And so he was literally the only person I told about this music in high school. Literally the only one. One time, Aaron changed the music on a Zenka page. And um, I mean, it is Chicago by Sufjan Stevens. And again, I found What love. is this? Yeah, it was like, yeah, what what is this? Sounds weird, but super fun. Like, it's, it's the upbeat song. Like, yeah. there's a reason it's in a lot of movies, right. soundtracks, because it gets people's attention. Fun fact about this. Uh, do you watch The Politician at all? Yeah. Okay. You know it opens with Chicago? Yeah. Like the... the um, credits? The, the, opening the credits. credits. Yeah. Dan hates Sufjan. Hates. Uh, I didn't know that about Dan. When I brought him to... We finally got to see him live a handful of years ago. Yeah. Was it off the... Carrie uh, Lowell tour. Yeah. Um, which one? What a tour to finally see him live. Like, you're just emotional and... He hated every second of it. Oh but now when we watch The Politician, he skips the credits every single time. He, If he's feeling generous, he'll let them play. <laughs> but anyway, but yeah, no, Sufjan, that was, and what an album to be introduced to, Illinois. I mean, yeah. Michigan, you come, after you learn about Sufjan, you love Michigan, you love Seven Swan, you love everything. But That's your home state. Yeah, Illinois, that's, that's an album to be introduced to when yeah. you're learning about Sufjan. And you have multiple, I at least to my knowledge, there's multiple different outlets that have put that as the number one album of the aughts. Oh, really? I yeah. Mean, yeah, I, I, I believe it. And I totally, I mean, I, I, I totally see it. It is what it is. Yeah. He puts out good music. And at the time, it, it was perfect. Like, right. Per, you couldn't criticize it. No. It was entertaining, educational, and engaging. Yeah, and it was something no one's really been hearing. Like right. you, you hear folk music, but this was a this was new folk music, right? I still don't even call it folk music, but everyone else calls it folk. Yeah. So Sufjan Sigaros, they were my, they were my true introduction to good music, and I found it because of some rando on Zanga, <laughs> and I will always remember him and credit him for me having taste finally. Let's talk about college. You come across, you already talked about Sufjan and, and Sigaros as kind of finding new music on your own, but I, I feel like that it just continued in college with uh, Mika and a bunch of other artists that you found through MySpace. Talk about that. So again, my memory is terrible. So I, I would like to give this on like a sort of accurate timeline, but it's not going to happen. I remember... Clearly, the summer after my freshman year, so that had to have been 2007, the summer of 2007, my old youth pastor, who was going to go back to high school. I'm terrible with time. time I keep things straight. Um, <laughs> my old youth pastor had asked me to intern with him for the summer. He was he, he was cool. So um, in, in high school, when he was a youth pastor, he was fresh out of college, as most youth pastors, I feel like, right. are. Um, so he had like that connection to like hip music. So in high school, he made us all listen to in youth group, Banana Pancakes by Jack Johnson. <laughs> Way too much. And also this was the height of Hollister too. So yeah. every time you walk into a Hollister, it was also playing there. You hear it a few times. Great. This is fun, relaxing. You hear it nonstop for a year and a half. You want to kill yourself <laughs> and kill Jack Johnson dealing with the cologne smell and too. yeah oh, oh god oh, and geez. how dark it is like no one wants to shop yeah. in a dark place oh god also clearly we're i'm in my 30s are you in your 30s yet? Mm -hmm. yeah so we're clearly in our 30s <laughs> but um anyway so he was i i kind of knew him as knowing music that wasn't ccm and i i never really took advantage of that but in my head i'm like okay he clearly listens to not shine.fm or whatever it's called but yeah, so I was interning him with the summer uh, for the summer. I mean, it was he was a youth pastor and I was interning. And so like I was involved in every aspect of that youth ministry at the time. And we were having a cookout. I think it was towards the end of the summer. I can't remember. 
but he was playing some music kind of sounded like Freddie Mercury almost. Okay. After that bonfire, he was playing it again in the office and I'm finally like, what, what is this? And he's like, Oh, this is Mika. And it's like, okay, great. I'm going to check it out. But he was playing love today specifically. Okay. And so the album was life in cartoon motion. I think his first major album, if I remember correctly, is Grace Kelly off of that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's his first album. Never picked up traction in the States. I remember seeing a commercial on TV for it once, but like no one knew who Mika was and still no one really does. Yeah. But that was just, that was a, another revelation. Just like, oh God, this is fun, fun music. Yeah. It reminds me of like Prince. Oh, and yeah, yeah. Daft you know. Punk, even. Yeah. Well, anything that's, I mean, well, he is from Europe. So like it's kind of like a, a European take on, I don't know, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like a mix of all that stuff. Yeah. Because, yeah, he, one, he, I mean, oh, and Grace Kelly, he talks about sounding like Freddie Mercury. Because, yeah, it reminded me of Queen, Prince, that's, I never really made that connection, but that is, that's accurate. Yeah, just, what a great, what a great listen. And I've been super <laughs> into him since, since then. I mean. Right, yeah. His other albums have never quite hit, like, Life in Cartoon Motion, especially in the States. They've never gotten, they don't get mentioned here. But he's really successful. Like, he is a huge star in Italy. Huge. Huge. Like, he, like, hosts, like, the X Factor there or whatever. Or maybe he's a judge. Anyway, he's in everything in Italy. But yeah, I love him. He's fantastic. I've seen him live, actually. That was a fun concert. Where was that? That was in Chicago at the, oh, I want to say State Theater. Okay. I think it was State Theater. Elizabeth lane and uh one of elizabeth's old roommates casey we all lane was visiting me for like a long weekend back in my hometown yeah and i think elizabeth was visiting casey because casey's from a town like an hour north of me or something like that 40 minutes northwest something like that and then so we all met up in chicago and then we went back to cornerstone after after the concert (laughs) but that was a lot of fun just sweaty and enjoying a time where everyone in that room and you could feel it everyone in that room knew that they were probably never going to see him live again and i mean that's probably true because um he's never played in the states ever again wow yeah god what a great time why is he not touring america is it just not him relating to he, he never made it here as far as i know that's he just no one cared weird yeah if he released Life in Cartoon Motion two or three years ago, it would have been everywhere in the States. Right. Literally yeah. everywhere. It's just the timing was bad. He was too ahead. Like and like he was never like I mean he I I don't even know if he's officially out. Like I don't think he like talks about being gay or queer in any way, but like I know he's mentioned it. But like two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, like you can't you couldn't talk about being queer in music back then because you were never going to make it. And he was pretty coded as gay. And I think that had to do partly with it, but he just, he just never made it here. And that's a shame because it's entertaining and it's rarely inappropriate. So when you work at a church like Mars Hill, you can play Mika songs, (laughs) get the kids hyped up. Yeah. And that's all you need to do. Like just get them (laughs) jazzed to be there. Right. So that was my, when I was at Marcel, that was, you know, I played a lot of Mika. Well, and MGMT, I remember. Yeah, I actually never got into them a whole lot until Mars Hill because of Jim. And that was their just, you know, kids was their their song. Although, did I say in college? Yeah, so in college, yeah, I had some cool kids, friends. They were barely friends because they were too cool for me. (laughs) But they were super into MGMT. I know that. So I was vaguely aware of them before, but I never got into them until until afterwards. It's like 2007, 2008. Glee is huge on TV, on Fox at that time. That was something that you were watching. And and what's what's crazy too is Glee would, they would do these covers of hit songs and they would blow up on the charts. It was huge. It was, it was a cultural phenomenon at that time. Mm-hmm. And you'd have like 10 songs in the top 40. I mean, it didn't help that 
every song on the episode was released as a single. Some on some, iTunes. On iTunes, yeah. yeah. Some some episodes had eight or nine songs. They cut that down in the later seasons, but like those early seasons had a lot of songs. Right. Every episode. And yeah, you're right. People would buy it because this was before streaming was a thing, really. You had Pandora, which you can't control. Right. People would buy this stuff on iTunes immediately. Yeah, it was huge. I mean, college, I'm sure most colleges are the same. Common rooms, you know, where everyone can hang out. Yeah. There were glee parties in most of the buildings. Everyone watched glee. It was, it was everywhere. And that truly kicked off my love of cover songs. I love cover songs. <laughs> Terrible ones, even. Just covers are so great. Because, I mean, that's a great way to show how you're creative, right? Like, yeah, just make a good song. I mean, and you don't have to work on creating a good song. Just make it sound different. And that's fantastic to me. I think that's genius. And it's entertaining. I There's so many covers I like better than the originals. Can't think of them all the time ahead. But they're, they're out there. the best. Glee and these covers really kicked it off because... I wanted to find more covers, so I just looked up some blog music blogs, and I found um, we're not going to talk about those places I've got good music from because I don't remember them, but I remember Cover Me, a music blog all about cover songs. Fucking loved it. <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure it was a man running it, so I'm going to say he. I'm almost positive it was. He got some obscure stuff, and I don't remember so much of it. But I just remember, like, how did he find this? Because it's like a the music, the song quality. You know, you have like the one twenty eight. Yeah. And you always like, you know, I need to have three twenty, or I'm not happy. Right. But he would get the shittiest, shittiest files because clearly he like got them from some random place. It was like sixty four bit. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, sometimes yeah. And I don't. I literally like he had to have like downloaded it from i don't know the radio somehow i don't know how we got these things but it was like obscure covers that's also how i found like out that supion did covers pretty regularly like because i got i heard them i got them from that blog but cover me is how i was introduced to this music project in new york our hit parade because it was like a musical review what they did was top 10 songs billboard chart yeah from the previous month and then they would have mostly cabaret performers in the New York cabaret scene, but it could be, I think, anyone who wanted to be a part of it. They'd perform covers of these songs or routines of the songs. Um, there was a huge variety of performances, but it was mostly people doing covers. But the very first thing I ever saw was from Cover Me. It was Thanksgiving themed, and it was the opening number of, of the show for that month. And the three hosts... But Bridget Everett, who is now becoming a big comedian and actress, she's starting to get her name out there. She was just a goddamn mess, but she was singing a medley of Pocahontas and Cher and Kesha. And somehow they related all that into Thanksgiving. And it was the most magical thing I've ever seen. I mean, truly, it was huh. perfect. And... So that got me into a deep dive on YouTube, which YouTube, I mean, it was, it wasn't new, but it was, this was 2000, what, eight, eight ish. So, I mean, YouTube's not what YouTube is now. Like you didn't go to YouTube for everything back then. Right. I watched everything. I, cause they uploaded every performance from every month for as long as they've been doing it. They did on YouTube. I started at the beginning and just went through and you get weird, weird stuff. Lily. Lily someone. She was in The Haunting, but she is a terrible singer because she has a weird voice. Um, <laughs> but I remember her doing B.O.B. songs and Fuck You by CeeLo. Okay. And uh, drag queens doing their own weird things because it's rare that they actually sing. So it's like lip syncing. One had like a puppet doing a song. Um, there were just so many good performances. Randy Harrison from Queer as Folk. Who knew he was a beautiful singer obsessed with everything that he's ever done but our hip parade is was just it opened me up to not just new covers which is why i wanted to get into it for the first uh in the first place but that really kick-started my journey into queer music because 
even the straight people, part of that program, they were a little bit queer. Like they had to be. When you're in New York and in the cabaret scene, you're queer (laughs) no matter what. And that opened my, literally opened me up to everything queer after that, I feel like. Well, I'm curious, is this where you came out? Not quite. I think it's when I was. Or did it help? No, you come out? not really, because or... it. I was always known for being eccentric and having weird tastes, I guess. But I think this was around the time that I was okay with me being gay. So, like, um, I, I heard someone talking. I don't know if it was, like, a podcast or some interview yeah. or something like that, but it was recent, and they were describing being in a religious back from a religious background and being gay like what kind of closet that is because it's kind of different than just say normal homophobia in your life as a child because if you are taking your face seriously and i i only say that this is true because i related to it at so well well even now thinking about it i'm like yeah. oh that actually describes what happened to me because i was taking my faith seriously or trying to fucking up at every opportunity because I was super into dudes, but you don't, you don't identify as gay, even though you're like, you're afraid you might be, you were like, I'm not gay. I'm just struggling with this thing. So in high school, I didn't think I was gay. I was just struggling with this sin that not everyone does. Okay. But like in college, when I was getting into this music for the first time, that's when I was like, you know what? Yeah, I'm gay. And that's going to be a part of me now. Still can't talk about it, <laughs> but I'm probably pretty gay. And you know what? I think I started dating a guy for the first time soon after that. Yeah, so I Heart Parade really was a part of me accepting myself as gay. And then it didn't help that, like, again, more music blogs. Like, you'd find just, like, I'd find more exclusively gay music blogs because it wasn't quite EDM because I don't think EDM was a genre back then. No. Quite yet, but it was still electric music, electronic yeah. music, terrible shit. I mean, <laughs> wasn't quite techno, but it just wasn't good. It was something to get high to and dance to, but it was big, and there were a lot of blogs dedicated to it. But there were just so many queer music blogs because, I mean, internet is still not widely accessible to everyone, so finding a way to connect to other people who are like you was hugely important. And so people clung to those things. They were updated regularly. We're blogs now. I mean, if they exist, I think they get updated once every two months. Like there's still two blogs that I follow, like actual blogs, oh. and they never get updated. They do every once in a while, but it's rare. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> but finding queer music is really what's kickstarted me coming up, finding things on my own. I remember was finding out about Scissor Sisters and yeah. telling this one one gay person I knew, like, hey, have you ever heard about Scissor Sisters? And he's like, yeah, of course I have. <laughs> Are you an idiot? Um, but that was, like, that was fantastic. Uh, vaguely raunchy music and a band called Scissor Sisters. That's pr- a pretty raunchy name right there. What a great time listening to that. Sam Sparrow, Black and Gold. He had, That was his major hit. And fun fact... Back in 2008, 2009, 2010, if you're on a Christian campus and you hear black and gold pounding from anyone's room, you knew there was a homosexual in there. <laughs> just just letting you know, I identified three men, well, guys, I don't know if they were men at the time, three guys, like I pegged them as gay because I heard them playing black, black and gold. gold. They came out a few years later. Uh, all three of them did. So Sam Sparrow was fantastic. What are some other things? Frank Music. Frank Music. He's not queer, but I think only queer people listened to his music at the time. Didn't help that he was beautiful, but everyone I knew who knew who Frank Music was, they were gay. Great. I want to say kind of electronic-y, but not quite. Just poppy with a lot of synth, I think, would be pretty accurate. Um, and then also I was getting into musicals. Wicked, I had started liking in high school. That was the first musical that I really liked. I finally saw it when I was in college. But um, got into Hairspray, you know, watching on YouTube Bootlegs. God, Bootlegs were the best in college because they weren't getting taken down ever. Right. Um, yeah. Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> were the World Mine, a terrible movie musical, but it's super gay. 
I guarantee you never heard of it. I've never heard of it. No, you never will. <laughs> Low budget. Very, very, but very, super gay. very, very gay. Because it was like, oh, I wish I, the product, I want to say the production company is like TLA, which is like a famously gay production company, I believe. Okay. They're the ones who released the movie. And only if you're into queer indie films, would you ever hear about this movie. But that was fantastic. I think those Wicked and Hairspray were the two musicals that were, <clears throat> I was like super into. I was getting into other ones too, but those two uh, took over my life. And obviously musicals are very gay. Like, very gay. Mm -hmm. My secret of sharing music with my friends, Elizabeth, Lane, all them, was I rarely found this stuff on my own. I was told it by someone else. MySpace, bringing MySpace back in. Yeah. Um, I met someone named Ian. He's from Australia. And he connects with music. Well, he connects with words in a way that I've never seen anyone connect with before. He would write just beautiful things. Like, I, it's just hard to describe the way he describes certain things in a way that I've never seen anyone do before. That's what interest me, interest, interested me in him, like his profile or whatever. I was like, hey, this guy seems pretty cool. I'm going to follow him or friend him. I think it was friending. And then we were talking back and forth and he would just share some music with me, usually a remix of some sort. He was super into remixes, but sometimes he would just give me some normal things. But he introduced me to Alphabet, which I'm still a huge fan of. They just released a new album last year and I'm fucking into it. Nice. Um, Danish pop band, if you've never heard of them, yeah. listen to them. You're going to love them or hate them. Dan hates them. <laughs> he hates a lot of the music I used to like, or I still like. I love Alphabet. If you ask Elizabeth and Lane any music that they got from me in college, I guarantee you Ian gave it to me first. Yeah. He, yeah, he influenced my musical taste. It was like the first time I was into not cool stuff, not indie stuff, but because it was different, people thought I was cool. That was my secret. <laughs> Did coming out as gay change anything in what you were listening to? I mean, nothing really changed a whole lot. Like, I still listened to the same stuff, except I didn't have to be, maybe I didn't have to hide it as much, but I also didn't hide, like, what I listened to from anyone at the time. None of that changed. It was, I liked what I liked. I was never going to be that ashamed of it. I would maybe feel a little embarrassed sometimes because even then I knew some of the stuff I listened to was terrible. But if I was digging something, I would share with my best friends immediately and never once regret it. And because clearly they liked what I was giving them. So coming out and maybe I could just talk about it and be like more enthusiastic about how queer it was. That might've been the only difference to be honest. Yeah, I don't I, coming out really didn't change much in my music coming out specifically. It was more about me being okay being gay. Yeah. And that happened a couple of years prior. Are you saying that it's more of, it was more of a challenge for the environment that you were in more so than how it influenced your taste in music? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah, that was being gay on a Christian campus fucks you up in a lot of ways. A lot of it, how it manifests in me is my memory of college is absolutely terrible. Everything I just described probably took place over four years, but it felt like two in my head. It feels like two months. That's like all I remember about college is yeah. three different things for the most part. The first two weeks, kind of the middle runs together. And then my senior year where they try to kick me out. That's my college experience in my head. So a lot of my feelings are all just compressed into one thing. And then there are just bits and pieces of this experience. And I'm like, yeah, I know that happened. Don't know when it happened. <laughs> Barely remember who was a part of that. And I know I was there and that's like it. So it's hard to, to really explain anything that happened yeah. specifically. Right. Cause a lot of it was just, a lot of me being gay in college was just kind of the fear that I was about to get kicked out but also being assured that I wasn't going to be, but still always in the back of my head, I might be leaving very soon. Right. It was probably nerve wracking yeah. at times. Yeah. And it, it, the at times is very accurate because like I said, I was assured by many people, many of the upper uppy people at Cornerstone that I would not get kicked out because one, I was almost done with my four year degree. 
my advisors were the most left-leaning advisor or professors on campus. And it would always come down to if the advisors thought I should leave. Yeah. They were like, you probably won't, this probably won't happen, but if the wrong person hears about it, it might. So that was always looming. But in general, I was like, I'm probably fine. But there was always in the back of my head, it was, hey, this week when I meet with the dean, is he going to tell me I'm out? Meeting with them actually eased my stress more than it exacerbated it, which you wouldn't think would, would be the case, but it was. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. So that's when, right around that time when I met you. And what's interesting is I felt like when you were able to graduate, it really helped you just get out there and be yourself. Yeah. And um, yeah, you're right. That's that, awesome. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it makes sense. Uh, logically, that makes sense. I never thought of it that way. But literally leaving Cornerstone, I was finally myself. Yeah. You knew me when I was myself. God, we would not have gotten along to college, probably. Just you know. Why is that? Well, I was afraid to be around any straight guy. Okay. Really, that's okay. seriously it. I was terrified. Which makes it weird that no one really realized I was gay in college, because I only hung out with girls. But yeah, you knew me literally at the best time to meet me. Yeah. Right around this time after college... That's when you started uh, dating Dan, mm-hmm. and there's a huge influence of music that he is giving to you. Talk about those artists and the impact that it made for you. Well, as I've mentioned twice already, Dan doesn't let me listen to anything that I like. <laughs> Alphabet, no. Sufjan, no. Although, to be fair, he's opened up to Alphabet. Yeah. But he still hates the fact that I made him see Sufjan. <laughs> I don't think he cares about Sufjan Rose. But he's always been into pop music, and I never have. Like, yeah. before it was, again, it wasn't into indie shit. It was just the weird, obscure stuff. I found weird, random things. But Dan introduced pop music into my life. He's always loved Beyonce. I could never care about Beyonce until the self-titled Beyonce yeah. album when I could put the songs to these beautiful videos is finally when I started liking Beyonce. And now I like Beyonce. So that's like the first thing that comes to mind um, when I think about Dan's influence is Beyonce because that w- that's been a project of his, getting me to do that. But we just like, we found music together. Like we got into Lord at the same time. Yeah. Like right when she came out with her EP Royals. too. Yeah, especially Royals. But yeah, that EP was all, the EP gets ignored a lot because Royals, was such a, a moment in history. Right. But that, that whole five song EP was just, or four, it was so good. I mean, almost better than the album because it was so new and like you had never heard anything like it. And this kid was like, what? She was so young. 15, 16. Yeah. What else did we, what we've, uh, Janelle Monet, Kesha. Um, Kesha, God. I mean, Dan was the first person in the world who acknowledged my love of Kesha and supported it. And I've always loved her. And that was always a guilty pleasure. I've loved Kesha. Love, love, love. TikTok, everyone made fun of it. I thought it was perfect. It was just a perfect song. Yeah. Dan always supported my love of Kesha. We finally saw her live a couple of years ago. That was great. Where was um, that at? Van Andel. Okay. Cried. Nowhere near sold out. <laughs> because it's Kesha. In Grand Rapids. It's like 10 years past Probably. Yeah. Well, it was her new album, I believe. And it was after that um, praying where, I mean. Yeah, she did well with that. Yeah. Cried that that concert. What a great time. Uh, Sia. Yeah. I mean, because I only got into her once Chandelier came out. But Dan had been aware of Sia for a long time. But he got me into Sia now. Yeah. Sia, I mean, is really fantastic. I yeah. mean, no one can deny that. Watching the behind the scenes. I mean, personally, she's a mess. But her music, fantastic. And like watching the behind the scenes stuff of like her just making up a song in the middle of an interview, that kind of shit, great. The chicks, never into them growing up, love them. Oh, because also from a small town who supports George Bush. Yeah. Of course, I'm never going to like the chicks. Right. But now, I mean, God. Well, one, watch that documentary that was made about them. That'll change your opinion no matter what. 
Crossing Through Music is just so good. It mm. just really is good. Dan's been in love with him forever. Janelle Monet, I think I said yeah. a second ago. He's again another artist he's been into for a while. I I remember seeing her in high school at a, playing on New Year's Eve live on a like a TV program. But we've seen her live, and I can. I that was one of the best concerts I've been to. Alexi Murdoch, I don't yeah. know if you're familiar. Yeah, Dan, no, got, I, Dan I, I got me into Way We Go, um, and which is he the entire soundtrack basically, and then just getting in like his perfect god what a good what a good artist um marina well, used to be marina the diamonds but now marina i i want to credit dan for getting me into her but the stuff that we've figured out or more we've found together tank of the bangas i think i found that and told dan about it but um we've seen them live and like we just got into them together and i'm hoping like it's a, clear the different genres that i'm listening to like we're i mean we're listening to pretty much everything bob's burgers central park crazy ex-girlfriend so still that musical garbage but also anyone who's listened to the songs from any of those three shows knows that like crafted expertly catchy as hell we're getting into more musicals so les mis god he made me watch les mis on a christmas once the new film the film yeah i was furious didn't want to go wasn't feeling well I had a really bad headache and I, I truly thought I was going to throw up, but we had to go and I was pissed <laughs> sobbing by the end. <laughs> Love it. More recent one, Hades town. We're both into, I got into the school of rock musical surprisingly good. I mean, it is Andrew, Andrew Lloyd Webber, but very good together. Again, we live next to pyramid scheme. So you see a cool band or there's an event going on. You just pop in real quick. Right. We were introduced to, well, we were introduced to Lizzo before we saw her, but we can't remember who told us about Lizzo. We can't remember when, but we do know Good As Hell was played for us yeah. by someone. And then she played next door in the middle of a tour. She she wasn't headlining that tour she was a part of, and the rest of the people she was with didn't come to Grand Rapids. She herself just made a detour in between set like dates and played a pyramid scheme, and we went crazy and this was right before she blew up yeah so that was also another if you want to see a captivating artist she gets the entire audience yeah. on the same page in a way that not many people can do i saw her at a um, mopop oh really yeah oh yeah I, I almost catered that mopop yeah yeah fun fact i almost did um but anyway lizzo yeah she's just a phenomenal performer so saw her live uh Soon after we moved, it was like the month we moved into this apartment. Betty Who was playing. We again the same. We, I I don't remember how we figured found her or anything like that. But she played next door, saw her live, hung out with her for a minute at Stella's. We we were having a night in one time. We didn't want to do anything. We had a couple of friends come over. They tried to convince us to go to Pyramid Scheme to see this artist we never heard of. We're like, wait. We just really don't want to fucking do this. <laughs> and then we're like, fine. It's been a minute since we've hung out. Let's just go ahead and do it. Turns out to be a tune day Iran. Another fantastic performer. Yeah. I don't know. We've seen him every chance we get. He's fantastic. And then two events that they host, Pyramid Scheme hosts regularly. Super happy, fun time, burlesque show. We've only gone a couple of times because they stopped doing it. So that's a great musical thing that we share and then retro deluxe yeah it's just oh, the yeah. most fun you've ever had in your entire life i think we've been to that before i mean we had to have i mean we invited we we need to make sure everyone goes yeah um because well i think they're done doing it because no one goes anymore right that last one we went to had like 12 people i feel like we just get super hammered and listen to dance music that i would never i, I don't like 80s music at all oh i love 80s but when i'm drunk fucking love it I mean, Rock Lobster. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's Lux. nine minutes long. Yeah, because you have to listen to the the, the, the full version, not the, the radio edits. <laughs> Duh. So, yeah, I think uh, Living Next Pyramid Scheme has been a big influence. I mean, we wouldn't listen to several artists if it wasn't for living literally next door to the Pyramid Scheme. Yeah. But, you know, that's basically, now Dan and I mostly find music, to, mostly together, I think. Like, I just thought about i thought i was introducing him to a matt kim song and he's like yeah i already listened to it 
I'm like, oh, okay, got it. Awesome. <laughs> so we're mostly on the same page now. But yeah, Dan's been my influence for the last, God, nine years. It's been that long? Nine years next month, I think. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. What about uh, currently? What are you listening to? I'm back on some bullshit. Hades Town <laughs> is not bullshit, but I am back in Hades Town. YouTube knows me too well. Somehow they figured out that because I love Eurovision, the movie with Will Ferrell. If you haven't seen it, watch it. I have. Okay, good. Yeah. Audience, if you haven't seen it, watch it. So they know that I love Eurovision movie and they know I love Icelandic music or Scandinavian in general. Just randomly introduced me to this guy, uh, Daddy Freyer. I'm pronouncing it even remotely correctly. He's been an artist himself for a minute, a couple of years, but he, they participated in the Icelandic song, uh, Eurovision song contest in 2017. They got second place, but they got, national attention right. because of that and then competed again in 2019 i believe and won but then eurovision got canceled because of covid right and now the way that iceland decided to do it they canceled the song contest and they just wanted to have him do it again because he lost his chance i think a lot of other countries are just saying oh you lost your chance let's do another contest anyway he just got shooted immediately fucking love his stuff it's i don't know it's pop european pop yeah, music right and it's a lot of did you listen to some oh, I, I did it's a lot of fun yeah and i don't love his solo stuff i only like his eurovision stuff because he has the band which i cannot even pronounce even remotely well so i won't do it <laughs> when you're on eurovision you're allowed to have like up to six people on stage and so he invited his wife and his friends because he didn't want to do it alone because he was nervous. And so yeah. it just turned into this act that they do now. The three people playing the instruments aren't playing instruments. They're just up there. <laughs> so it's just, it's entertaining. It's fun. He's been releasing music videos about how to, how they made their costumes for the last music video. He's done dance tutorials. It's just a lot of just good fun. And they seem like they're happy in Iceland. And I love that for them. So that's just literally all I listen to right now. Because I my drives to work are eight minutes and fifteen minutes respectively to both jobs. Perfect to listen to three or four songs. So yeah, that's that's it. Although I feel like something just came out recently. Years and years had it. Oh yeah, Dan and I are super into years and years. But they had a, re a new single come out. I like it. Dan and our friend Will, they're not into it. Okay. I like it. Okay. But yeah, so those three Dolly Freyer songs and Starstruck. And then Hades Town, like I said. I started listening to that again last night. Nice. What is it about music that, why do we listen to it? Why do we enjoy it? No, I don't know. I've thought about this answer. I don't know. I feel like I've heard someone say this before. And I don't know how true it is. But music is a way for people to express emotions that just simple words and talking can't do. Mm -hmm. Even if there are no words to the music. So for the yeah. artists, it's a way to express something that, sure they can say these things, but like putting a sound behind it adds to what they're saying, I think. And then for people who can't play music, me, listening to it like is a way to express or feel those emotions. I'm not, well, I'm kind of a crier now, but I used to not be, um, but like, uh, I mean, like listen, if you want a good cry, which everyone's why you do, I don't want to cry a long time, but you just want to get some, something out. Yeah. I put on Coco, um, that soundtrack gets me crying within 10 seconds because it just, it pulls something out that, you know, you're feeling, um, but you can't quite express that. And like with, I think with Sea Rose, their untitled album wasn't to say anything because they're literally singing a made-up language right but they wanted to like show the beauty of iceland sort of through that music and you can't just and they're like well you can't just sing about it let's just kind of get that feeling out there yeah um so yeah i think music is just a way to express what people are feeling 
that they just can't do otherwise. I mean, it's art. But yeah, so I, I think that's why music is important to people. Well, thanks, Jeff, for, for doing this. No problem. Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Lichty. Each person interviewed has created a playlist of the very songs that have impacted their life. If you are interested in listening to their playlist, you can head straight to our website at soundtrack.fireside.fm. Click on Soundtrack Playlist and it will take you straight to their playlist on Spotify. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at Soundtrack Podcast or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack.